In today's episode of the Neil Wilkins podcast, we are going to be talking about thought leadership. Now, we all know that in today's really busy, chaotic times, one of the key things is differentiation. You cannot be a commodity brand or individual and expect to be successful in business or in life. You have to be demonstrating your value and you kind of have to be niching. I mean, I think this is one of the key concepts that we've been exploring as marketers and as business owners, um, certainly over the last few years. So I'm joined today by somebody who knows a thing or two about niching, thought leadership and successful business. I'm joined today by Nikki Ballou. Hi, Neil. Good to be here. It's really interesting to be talking to you, Nikki. I mean, for those in the audience who don't know who you are, you are a number one international best-selling author. And really interestingly, one of the books, because you have multiple books, I know, uh, one of the books is really an interesting one called The Thought Leader's Journey, A Fable of Life and the Power of Connecting. Now, this is going to be so, so relevant, I think, because as we're all trying to understand and you know, cut through the noise that is social media, break down those barriers that are resistance to customers um, kind of wanting to engage with us and to be, you know, be part of meaningful communities to kind of give back, you know, in our organizations, to be great leaders, to be influential, I guess. We're going to be exploring and talking about all the things that you, I guess, have talked about for many, many years. So I want to go deep into kind of, I guess, your motivations and really what has kind of brought you to this point here today. So so for anybody who doesn't know Nikki, can you give us a little bit of an insight into your backstory and I guess some of the journey really that's brought you to this point? Thank you for that. That's fantastic. So I'm actually originally an immigrant from the Middle East. I'm a Christian from Iran. When I was 11 years old, the Islamic Revolution took place in Iran. And my late father, God rest his soul, he could see the writing on the wall that this wasn't going to be a place to raise a Christian family anymore. So he made a, a plan and he executed it and he got us out of Iran. It took a few years and he settled us where I now live in Toronto, Canada. Now, at the time I was 11, I didn't want to leave my home. I didn't want to leave my friends. But in retrospect, it was the single greatest thing my dad could have done for our family because he took us from a legacy of tyranny to a legacy of freedom. And, you know, I think everyone who's in business needs to, to really appreciate the freedoms that we have in the West. You know, living in a free society means you get to say what you want. You get to create the life that you want, create the business that you want. Without freedom, there's no free expression. Without free expression, there's no free enterprise. Without free enterprise, there's no opportunity to market, to be an entrepreneur, to be somebody who follows that path of their own drummer. And for that, I bless my father. And my father was the greatest man I've ever known, Neil. He was uh, somebody who believed in people. He and one of my mentors said, remember, son, Life isn't a money game. It's a people game. And I'm like, Dad, what do you mean about that? by that? He said, well, that person sitting across from you, that's someone's father, that's someone's mother, that's someone's brother, that's someone's sister, that's someone's wife, that's someone's husband, that's someone's son, that's someone's daughter. They're a hero to somebody. And somebody really, really cares about them. And... Your job is to do right by them in whatever interaction you have, be it one where you make money or one where you don't. You're there to serve that human being. 
not to transact with that human being that happens if it's if it's going to happen but to serve that human being you know and so many people didn't get to have that influence on them and my dad he was an amazing man if he knew you and you were looking for work he'd make phone calls till he got you a job if you were looking to start a business he'd sit down with you and help you get your business going including bringing you capital even making some calls to get you your first clients and if you were looking to buy a car or a house and you didn't quite have enough money dad would top you up and call it a loan but he'd never ever take the money back from you and you might go to yourself, come on, man, who does that, Nikki? What are you talking about? I go, well, the late, great Napoleon Ballou, for one. And why would he do that? First of all, he was a devout Christian. He believed he'd been blessed by God, and it was his duty to share his blessings with other people. But secondly, he did it because he could. I wanted to be like my dad. I wanted to be successful enough to be able to make a difference for other people. And so many people in business have those big, huge, open hearts. So many people. They want to make a difference. The caricatures in Hollywood about the rapacious businessman are so far off pace. I think that outside of people who get into the military or, or you know, law enforcement or that sort of business, these are the greatest people we have, the people who go into business, because they've got a vision to make a difference for everybody. They want to create jobs. They want to create opportunities for people. They want to create a better world with their products and with their services. And to me, that was the most important thing. So I wanted to help these people be more successful. And so many people that are in business that are trying to market, they just want to make sure they don't come across as this pushy person. And so they don't go after some business they should go after. They just say, well, you know, the person will make a decision, but some charlatan marketer will swoop in and grab that business because they have no such compunctions. And that hurts the world. It hurts that person because they're served by somebody who doesn't care. It hurts you because you could have gotten some business and helped your, your uh, income and your, your family and your employees do better. It could have even helped the charlatan because God means for them to learn a lesson. And that lesson isn't keep ripping people off, you know, and it's a beautiful thing. And, and that's the background of me. And when I got into business, I just wanted to help people be successful. And I saw so many people that were just scared of this because they were scared of the word of sales and marketing. And I'm like, okay, I was never scared of those words, but what mm. if we could help people become better at it? So we, we're, we're, we're not going to have you be a slimy salesman or a silly sales girl. We're going to help you be a service person. Nobody wants to be sold. Neil, you don't want to be sold. I don't want to be sold, but we all want to be served and we want to serve by a caring human being, a caring advocate. Because remember, life is about people. You solve problems for people, you get to earn a profit. PPP, that's the trinity of P. That is what's going to get you to success, my friend. And to me, thought leadership comes from being a heart-driven thought leader, first and foremost, caring about your fellow man, wanting to make a difference. Everybody needs someone to believe in them, somebody who's going to show them a brighter version of themselves to move forward. And that's what I do with the thought leadership is I show people how to stand out brightly and powerfully. What a role model to start off your both career and life, you know, to be kind of driven and almost see this, the, the possibilities of being that kind of person, see it playing out and seeing, you know, the impact on others. I mean, you've been really blessed, I guess, with you know, this opportunity, haven't you, to, to have kind of experienced that and to really understand, 
how that plays out for others. So it becomes then not about yourself. It does become about the impact and the perception from others of the work that you and obviously, you know, your late father was doing. So, so powerful. I mean, it's an interesting one that you talk about there because I, I guess it is something that I and I'm sure a lot of other marketers who have been marketers for, for ages have been marketed for three and a half decades now. So I've kind of lived and breathed this thing. But I love that phrase that you use of charlatan marketer it kind of feels it's the opposite end of the spectrum to what I might des describe as a, a wholesome marketer, somebody who is purpose-driven, high values and principles, and not after the quick buck, but actually really, really, you know, impassioned to provide service. And I, I love that. I think there's a real kind of synergy for the way you describe it. Um, and, and I guess for me, and I know a lot of other marketers certainly here in the UK, and I'm sure you're seeing it as well in Canada, are trying to kind of move away now from this whole idea of consumption, consuming, and even calling our customers consumers, because it just feels so wrong. We shouldn't be consuming things. We should be kind of working together to provide better communities, better products and services, a circular economy, something that gives value to all. And, you know, I think certainly the mantra that you're describing there, you know, really kind of resonates with that, I think, for a lot of people going forward. But I'm interested to kind of get your opinion on what is required from that, because obviously the way that you're describing this means that we do have to have a lot of freedoms here. We have to have a lot of kind of free enterprise as such, because to be able to serve, we need to be able to serve in a very free and open and highly communicative society, don't we? We can't just say, okay, there's one type of serving and it fits into this box. We, we need to have freedom just by definition of how you're describing it. How, how, how does that play out for you? Why, why is freedom so important here? Look, I lived in tyranny, my friend, I lived where you needed to kiss the right person's butt in order to be able to have an opportunity, you know, and if you didn't forget it, you wouldn't even have an opportunity. And if you were the wrong religion, you were the wrong ethnic background, your opportunities were cut in half as well. What's beautiful about the West, as long as we keep it this way, and we don't let certain individuals who are trying to come and in the name of tolerance be so bloody intolerant of anything and everybody who doesn't agree with them god bless them all take all those away from us so i think everybody needs to stand up for freedom one thing that that is freedom is you cannot allow somebody to come and say well certain points of view aren't good they mean you're a, a, a fascist or a racist well you know, the interesting thing is fascism is outlawing points of view. That's what fascism is. So these people that are saying they think other people are fascists, well, the reason they're saying it is because they're trying to gaslight you because they themselves are the fascists, you know, and they pretend to be tolerant and they have names on their on their, on their their parties that, that are wonderful sounding names like Democrat and liberal and labor and things like that. They, they have no, they, they, they in no way represent what those party labels used to represent 30, 40, 50 years ago, which was a genuine love for people and a care. They seem to have been overtaken by some nasty people. Not that I want this to be a political show at all, but we all need to stand up for freedom. And if you see someone else's freedom being taken away, you better stand up for it because if you don't, they're going to come after yours soon enough. And I speak from experience. Mm. And it's, I mean, it plays out, you know, obviously in everyday life as well as in business. And I think, you know, within business, a lot of 
you know, people listening to this are business owners or entrepreneurs or they're marketers. And I guess what they're kind of tussling with is this kind of need or desire to be very open, very honest, very authentic, but at the same time, kind of true to their own values. There's there's a kind of a fine line here, isn't there? It, it is about kind of working to a, a higher purpose in many ways, because yeah. if you don't, then you can almost get kind of caught up in the, oh, am I saying this wrong? Am I saying this right? Am I using the right term to describe this person? Again, as marketers, you know, we have to give things labels to be able to personalize the offer, for example. But with Without doing that, we're kind of just really generalists. And then that doesn't then give a really good value of our proposition for our product, our service, or our offers. So there's a kind of a danger here of kind of either treading on toes or yeah, overstepping a line. It's it's difficult, isn't it, really? Because and I think a lot of people are quite fearful of I can't say this or I can't say that because I'll I'll make a, an error of judgment that could backfire on my business, I could lose my job. It's difficult out there. It's a difficult environment to play in now, isn't it? Well, you've, you've definitely got to uh, be a bit more um, discerning in how you put your messaging out there. You know, we talked about thought leadership, right? So what's a thought leader? Well, one of my mentors put it like this. Uh, an expert is someone who knows something, or a thought leader is someone who's known for knowing something. Another way to put it, which another fellow who was a guest on my podcast said was, an expert's like a cover band. A thought leader plays original music. Now, that's powerful. I like that. Yeah, that is yeah. So I had a fellow who was a client of mine. He had been an executive vice president at a large manufacturing company. And he decided he wanted to finish his career and become a coach. So he got into the world of business coaching. Now, he made 300000 dollars a year as an executive vice president and as a coach he was only making seven eight thousand dollars a month so he wanted to recoup his income as it were so when he came to us he said man i i just want to make as much money as i used to make and i said all right so we sat down with him we helped him try not to be all things to all people because that's what he's trying to do I'm, i'll do any type of business coaching for any client so we had him get clear on a group of people he was really moved to serve and he wanted to work with law firms that had a single owner so no partners and that were in growth mode that were over a million a year and wanted to grow to at least two three four five million so he came up with a program peak potential business coach for law firms and brother he very quickly grew his business from seven eight thousand a month to forty thousand a month working half as much it was incredible but that's the power of being a thought leader. It became sought after. All the lawyers who were looking to grow their practices from a single owner with a million dollars to two or three or four or five million started working with this fellow. And it was a beautiful thing. Took mm, him to the next level in his life. Took him to yeah, the next level in his business. It's interesting, isn't it? Because there's something counterintuitive about that, though. Because when you think about it, you know, for somebody starting out, and again, people listening to this may well be thinking, I'm done with my kind of career as such. I want to go it alone. I want to set up my own business. I want to become a consultant or whatever. 
in that first year, and we all know this, you know, anybody who's done this will know this to be true. In that first year, you go for your tier one connections, those people you already know and trust, friends, family, colleagues, whatever. But the trick is to get out to your tier two and beyond as fast as you possibly can. That is the way because you don't have a business, you just have friends yep. up to that point. So one of the counterintuitive things is to say, I'm going to actually streamline what I do. I'm not going to say yes to everything. And in fact, I'm going to probably say no to more people, more opportunities than I get offered. It's a counterintuitive thing, though, because actually what you're doing on the one hand is turning business away. But actually what you're doing is you're growing a business at the same time. From the example that you've just given, how, do, how does the mindset to be able to do that change because it's difficult, isn't it? Because you want to say yes, one, because you want to serve, but also two, because, well, look, there's some, some extra, some cash that's going to come into my business. So why do I want to turn that away? What is that mindset shift? Because I'd really love to understand that. Well, if you think about it, like look at doctors, right? You've got, you know, general practitioner type family doctors, and then you've got like specialists, like heart surgeons and brain surgeons. I don't know what it's like in the UK, but in Canada and the US, a, a general practitioner doctor makes about $160,000 a year on average, while a heart surgeon makes about $580,000 a year. Specialists always make more money than generalists. So, you know, if you're looking to have a wonderful business that looks after you and your family in a beautiful way, being a specialist is a smarter way to go. Here's the other thing. Specialists are highly respected because they have a specialty that solves a very particular group of problem. I can do anything for anybody. It's not as exciting as, Neil, I can help you grow your consulting business from 300,000 pounds to two and a half million pounds in the next three years. You're way more interested in listening to me say that to you rather than, Neil, I can help you with any business problem. You're way more open to saying, Nikki, I need to book a call with you if you want to grow your business to two and a half million pounds than if you are just going to have a general business chat. Mm. And, and there it is. And I just love those analogies because that 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 is it, isn't it? It is that whole thing about getting that hook. How do you kind of, because a lot of people will be thinking, okay, I need to do this for my business, for my organization. We need to understand what our specialism is, what that real, I mean, we call it USP, unique selling proposition, that kind of little golden nugget that makes me different to all the other businesses along the street who you could go to for similar kinds of things. But this bit you can't get from those guys. You have to come to me. So, so that's kind of what we're talking about here. But if this was for an individual, so a person, how do they go about kind of creating what you might describe? Because this is pretty compelling. This is really compelling stuff in the example you gave there. How do we go about creating a like a personal brand around this? Because if you're looking to become a consultant, you're looking to specialize, you want to be thinking about some kind of thought leadership, how do you create a compelling brand around that sort of idea of being a thought leader? That's a great question. And you've got to start by making it not be about you and your brand. <laughs> now, that's counterintuitive because everyone goes, what are you talking about? Of course, it's about me and my brand. Yeah, no, not so much. It really is about who you're here to serve. Who are you here to be of service to? What is their compelling problem? What is what they call a bleeding neck problem? So if, imagine you're a doctor and someone's 
coming into your office and blood shooting out of their neck. Well, the first thing you got to do is stop the bleeding. So what is the bleeding neck problem of the individual or group of individuals that you serve? So for me, I work with coaches and consultants and experts. That is my main group of people. Have I worked with other people? Sure. Have I worked with other organizations, other businesses? Sure. I've had clients who've been manufacturers. I've had clients who've had $100 million companies. But my sweet spot is I work with a coach or a consultant who's under a half a million dollars a year or some sort of an expert. And that's what I do. So number one, that's narrowing my focus. The second thing is my promise to them is I'm going to show you how to stand out so you can add anywhere from six to eight figures to your annual income. And I've got a track record of doing that. So if you're a coach, a consultant, an expert of some sort, you're going to go, oh, wow. Okay. Am I in a space in my business where I'm looking to add six, seven, or eight figures to it? And if you are, then you're going to want to know more about who I am and what I'm all, all about. What's my point of difference? I go to people and I say to them, look, there's a lot of folks out there who are experts at what I say I'm an expert in. But here's what makes me different from each and every single one of them. I believe in my fellow man and woman. I believe in you and your greatness. What my superpower is, I can look at you, Neil, and see the potential of the best version of who you can become in a way that you can't. And I pour into people. I give you all of my caring, all of my love as a human being. And I take you out of a situation where maybe you don't believe in yourself as much as you should. Maybe you've been ripped off by a charlatan marketer or two. Maybe you've just been not able to get it going on your own. But everybody needs somebody to care about them. Everybody needs somebody to believe in them. Everybody needs somebody to pour into them. Because when we have that, we shine. If you go to the um, speeches made by athletes, when they go into the Hall of Fame for sports like, you know, football, soccer, like my son plays soccer, or sports like basketball, what's the first thing they say? They talk about that coach who believed in them. It's the first thing they say. You need a coach who believes in you. That's what I do. So when someone's listening to me, they go, okay, he knows how to make me more money, blah, blah, blah. He's great at thought leadership, blah, blah, blah. But what makes him want to jump on a phone call with me is this guy's real. He, he, he cares. And he's, he's not going to just do a transaction with me and drop me by the side of the road. He's going to stand with me till I win. That is my point of difference. Now, you're sitting here with me and you're going, well, how do I create my point of difference? On a 30-minute podcast interview, we're not going to do that. Let's just be honest. It's not going to happen. But let's say you decided you wanted to like get some more help and you came to one of my workshops or we did some other work with each other. I would have you go deeply into your favorite subject, you. I would have you look at what your life has been all about, how you've taken that life and uh, made it bigger and better uh, for yourself uh, and what adversities you've had. And out of those adversities and out of the successes, we pull your expertise. We have you write it out in the form of statements of expertise, statements of thought leadership as you were.
and we use those statements to build a whole IP snapshot. We go deeper into the explanation. We show some case studies. We do a literature review. We do a, a visual model. We do a metaphor. We do a whole bunch of questions around that topic. And you do 20, 30, 40 of those with all those steps taken, you've got a licensable program. You've got a licensable program. Now, if you've got a licensable program, my friend, what's beautiful about that? Well, a licensable program is something that you can license out to people and make a bunch of money. You can use that to build your own coaching program. You can write a book with a dozen chapters from these snapshots. You can create a uh, three-day workshop and take four or five snapshots and have that be the content for the show. That's the beauty, mm -hmm. my friend. That's the beauty of it. You've used the word there, which I, I want to kind of go a little bit deeper in because this is really interesting stuff for me. You use the word sweet spot. And I think that's a really kind of powerful word to use in this kind of context, because to me, when you said it, I just had this feeling of real connection between the sweet spot that you have for the passion and the skill and the behavior that you're kind of, you know, really, really eloquently putting across here and the sweet spot of the need that your client has. So I'm kind of thinking conceptually here for others who would be thinking, how does this translate into what I do? If it is sweet spot, your sweet spot and client sweet spot, and the client sweet spot might be a quite, as you say, potentially painful place, or it could be built off adversity. It might not be a comfortable deep dive that bit, but that's okay. That's fine. It's almost like you have to go there. But if your two sweet spots match, is that the perfect connection? coach and client because it feels like that would be almost an unbreakable bond the stuff that you're passionate about and really skilled in with the need from the client is this where kind of ultimate sort of thought leadership lives in that kind of that connection because it feels like it yeah brother 100 100 percent. i mean you've got to know where uh, a client's problem is where their pain is and you've got to know how what you do can help them solve it and that's why I mean, it's better not to try to be all things to all people. It's better to be a specialist who does a very particular thing because it'll be easy for you to line up those sweet spots again and again and again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels like that, doesn't it? And I think I, I was talking to um, somebody else uh, on a couple of episodes ago on, on the podcast, um, and we eventually figured out that we were actually talking about Ikigai which is that kind of, well, the Western version of Ikigai, which is what are you good at? What does the world need? What do you love doing? And what can you be rewarded for? And that sweet spot that sits in the center of those four elements. And we realized I was thinking it and she was talking about it. And we kind of got there and we laughed because it was like, there it is. And again, we're hearing sweet spot again. And I think for people who've heard that episode and then are listening to this, the message needs to be coming through. You need to be listening to this and hearing this, guys, because there's a real consistent theme here is this is very heart driven, isn't it? You know, you can think and think and think about what your business value is, what you're trying to, let's use the word sell in terms of the things that you're marketing. But ultimately, this is as much about what drives you from a heart and, and an emotional perspective as it is what you're actually planning on paper 
with intellectual thought. This this really is powerful stuff, isn't it? If it comes from the heart, a hundred percent, absolutely. And make no mistake about it, this is still around the topic of business, right? So one of the things that we teach thought leaders is don't undervalue yourself because most people do undervalue what they offer out in the world. I had a client who um, had a fantastic business, but he just charged too little. And he came to me, he said, I make 150,000 a year. I want to make a million. And he was, he lived in Manhattan, 150,000 a year was not a lot living in Manhattan. Right. And so, um, I looked at everything in his business and he just undercharged. So I looked at what he was offering to people and I said, you need to charge more. He says, okay, how much more? 10% more, 20% more. I go, no, 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 man. He says, what? 30%. I said, no, 20 fold more. He said, no, 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 I can't do that. I go, yeah, you can. He wouldn't do 20 fold, but I managed to get him to raise his fees sevenfold, sevenfold. His business blew up in four months. He went from 150,000 and he added 1,050,000. So he went to 1.2 million in four months. This was over four months, not a one year long run rate, right? He added over a million dollars to his business in four months just by charging more. The fact that he charged more actually attracted more clients to him because the clients he attracted were serious. They were ready to do the work. When you undercharge, people don't value it. They just don't value it. How many people do you know who've bought a book for $20 and used everything in that book to go make a million dollars? I don't know any, but I know lots of people who've paid me $30,000 and they've made a million dollars. Lots of people. Mm. Uh, is, is that the big difference, the, the big differentiator? Because I know in, in your books, you talk a lot about value and you talk a lot about, um, you know, this kind of almost it is law of attraction, but attracting you know, the right kind of client. Um, I guess, you know, you could call it the ideal client and, and almost like attracting them to you. Is, is it just about charging more? Are there kind of other elements in that mix of, you know, not having to go out there and sell, but actually get them coming towards I, you? I, I want to I actually say this. It's not just like, I don't want you to charge more and gouge people. I mean, we have enough of that going on in the world, right? I'm talking about charging at a level that actually helps your client. Because when you undercharge, your client doesn't take action. They just don't take action. But when you charge appropriately, they're invested and they take action. So you've got to take charge enough so that it helps your client and it helps you. But you've got to charge enough so they're invested in getting a return for their investment. You follow what I'm saying? This yeah, isn't about, hey, let's just charge more for the hell of it. No, 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 no. Most people just undercharge. You need to charge in a way that works for your client and works for you. Mm, so I'm just thinking, translating this, you know, giving a little bit of help to people who, you know, are not in our kind of industry, sort of service based. They might be working for a brand that is very product centric, for example. What we're talking about here, though, is value-based pricing, isn't it? It's about yes. apportioning the correct amount of cost to a particular item, product, or service, and then making sure that the value then that that brings, not the value it gives, but the value it brings to the individual or the business purchasing that is appropriate. So, so it is very value-based pricing. And there's, again, just something really 
decent and honest and true about this, isn't there? Because yeah, the market will decide, won't it? I mean, you know, you could, you know, find that, you know, your client sort of, you know, goes for that 7x uh, sort of charging model, but the market actually thinks, actually, you're not providing 7x of value, so I'm going to say no. So they've got to kind of match it, though, haven't they? Because, you, as you say, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to put my prices up. You've got to be very mindful and conscious of the, the perceived value from the customer, haven't you? Because if there's a mismatch there, this thing is not going to fly, no matter how much you decide to kind of be charging. Does that make sense? Well, the client is going to value something if they believe they're going to get a great outcome from it, right? Like, if you are offering something to somebody and you're in the business of providing solutions, right, then that's what it's all about. Like if it's a commodity, if it's, you know, food or groceries or things like that, it's a little more difficult. I mean, sure, you can even have high-end food and high-end groceries and things like that, but we're talking about something that solves problems for people. I'm in the business of providing solutions for people, and I charge based on the value of the outcome I offer. So... As an example, I've got a, a program that I run called 60K in 60 Days. So this program purports to help you make an extra $60,000, pounds, et cetera, over the next 60 days. Now, if I charge you $6 for that program, you wouldn't pay any attention to it. You'd go, oh, my God, this, that's too cheap. Or you might buy it, but you wouldn't use it. Now, if I charge you $16,000 to make $60,000, Believe me, Neil, you'd be sitting on the edge of your seat ready to do the work because you wanted a return on your $16,000, right? So it's really important to understand that that's what it's all about. Value is based on the outcome, the solution. That's how you should think and that's how your messaging should be for your clients. So there's the deep psychology behind this then. This is, this is not just simply a numbers game, is it? We're working way beyond the numbers of the kind of the outcome, but we're working to a psychology here, aren't we? It's the psychology of the relationship. It's the psychology of the sweet spot, that kind of buy-in, that connection where the thread between you and customer is, and then the psychology of the communication. So is this one way of kind of literally selling without being salesy? Because I think we go back to that. I can't not hear that word charlatan now. <laughs> Say again? I couldn't have said it better myself. It's about oh, selling without good. being salesy. Exactly. It's about being about people, not numbers. Business isn't about numbers. It's about people. My father said that. Remember at the beginning of the show, I mentioned that. It's, it's not about numbers. It's about people. And people, you you got to understand how they think. The laws of human nature are inviolate, Right. And it's got to be about helping people. You know, I'd love to tell you a um, kind of a final story, if you wouldn't mind. Mm. Uh, because I think this will bring it home very powerfully. Back in um, January 2018, I was introduced to a very impressive woman. She had been the country director for one of the world's largest and oldest personal development firms. They've been around since the 60s. She ran Canada. She decided she needed help. So she brought someone on board, a man to help her run the company and grow it. They had a big vision. And for about a year, they were really on the same page and everything was great. 
But after that, their visions of the future diverged. And there was a board of directors involved and they kicked her out and they kept him. And this was kind of like Steve Jobs in the early 80s with Apple when he brought John Scully on, right? How do you get kicked out of a company you founded, man? Like, that's crazy, but it can happen. So just like Steve, uh, I'll call her Julie. Julie was um, lost, bereft. Someone introduced her to us. And we could see this was a good human being. So we poured into her. We poured all our love, all our care. We stood with her. We helped her go from where she was to where she wanted to go. In her first month, she did $10,000 in new sales as a, as a, as a business coach. Uh, this is an emotional resiliency coach in business is really what she was. It was a kind of an interesting niche. In her second month, she did 12,000. In her third month, she did 18,000. In her fourth month, she did $62,200. That figure will become relevant and salient in a moment. Now, she lives in Ottawa. I live in Toronto. That's a five hour drive. So, my oldest son plays uh, football, soccer, as these Philistines here in North America call it, because it's the real game played with your feet, you know? Tell these guys, you throw something that that's oblong. There's no foot associated with it. What are you that's calling no, it football? That's not football. That's no. not football, man. <laughs> football is what my son plays. So my son's 17. He's a center back. He's an absolute beast. I, his dream is to come to Europe and go professional. And I think he's uh, he's going to turn 18 in January. And in, in, in June, we've got an opportunity to bring him to a few teams in, in, in Europe. But... I digress. Um, he had a tournament then. He was 12 years old. And um, so she has a son his age. So I called her up and I said, hey, we're coming to Ottawa for this tournament. Why don't you bring your son and come watch a game? She goes, okay. So she came. She watched the game. And we won the tournament, which was great. And we all had lunch. It was great. And then my son and I drove home. Well, a few weeks later, I had one of my quarterly branded thought leader immersion workshops. And what I did was I, um, I uh, came to the point where we talk about our back-end enrollment offer. And um, usually the way I do it is I ask some of our existing members to share their experience. So much more effective and powerful than me, right? You know, Robert Cialdini's book, Influence the Psychology of Persuasion, third party, right? Just look for third party validation. So um, before I could pick anybody, she bounds up on stage and I go, okay, I guess you want to go. So go ahead. And I, I recede to the background. I see her from the back and I see her shoulders kind of go like this. And I'm like going on and then i hear a sob and i go is she crying so neil like any man when a woman's crying the first thought i had is what did i do wrong <laughs> so my my uh my better half works with me and she came up with some tissues in a box and she said i well, thank you and then she turns to me and she's sobbing still and she goes nikki you didn't know this but when you and your son came to visit me and my son my son said, mommy, mommy, where, who are we going to go meet? He was all excited, right? And I said, oh, sweetheart, we're going to meet Nikki Baloo and his son. 
And she said, all of a sudden, my son got very quiet and said to me, oh, mommy, are we going to go meet the man who saved our family? And Neil, I'm old school. I'm not soft. You know, I'm a kind man, but I'm not a soft man. I do not cry in public. You know what I mean? I, mm -hmm. All this, you're so brave crap leaves me cold. I cried like a little kid. We hugged. And she said, you didn't know this, but when I came to see you all those months ago, the bank had not been paid a mortgage by us in months. They were threatening to foreclose on our home. My husband and I were fighting every single day over money, and my kids were afraid that we were going to break up. I was afraid we were going to break up. But you came into our lives. You helped me make the money to pay back the bank. Our money troubles went away. My husband and I stopped fighting. And that helped us save our family. So you literally helped us save our family. I'm like, whoa. And here's what I got out of that is that Thought leadership's great, all the techniques and tools and all that, what we do, it's spectacular and amazing, Neil. And I want to be clear, it is really good, important stuff. But that is not what this is all about. This is about a human being who's hurting, who needs someone to believe in them, who needs someone to show them the way to pick up their hand and say, I see greatness in you, and I'm going to help you see it too. I'm going to help you bring it out, and I'm going to help you live from that greatness. I'm going to help you create a version of your life and your business that's the best possible version that you're going to be proud of, that you're going to be sought after by the people that need to see you. You're going to be seen as that thought leader. You're going to be respected by your peers, and you're going to look in the mirror, and you're going to feel some self-belief, self-love, and you're going, to, you're going to be living the way you were intended to live. That's what it's all about. And there, people, is value. That is what we're talking about. Value to yourself, Nikki, obviously for you, in terms of, you know, just a validation of everything, isn't it, really, when you get a moment like that, but also then value clearly coming through into the, the lives of the others on the other side. And there is sweet spot. That is the definition of sweet spot there in one story. Thank you so much for sharing that, Nikki. I mean, that is, well, it's incredibly powerful. I mean, it really is. I don't think anybody hearing that would not be moved by that story. I mean, that is, that's higher purpose, isn't it? That is the whole reason why you do what you do. And yes, you'll be very well rewarded, but this is the reward. This is well, it's the answer, isn't it? It really is. And that's, it's just so, so good to hear a true real life story where that actually takes place because I think a lot of people wish and dream and desire for that but they never really actually meet or hear somebody who's actually done it and then it becomes a, a pipe dream whereas actually you have lived it and breathed it and then a testimony to you know doing this in the right way so thank you so much for sharing I want to put people in your direction because I know people will be 
curious, I think, to follow this up and see what other things you may well open up for them in terms of opportunity. ecircleacademy.com slash appointment, I think, is the place for people to go to. And I will put that link into the, uh, into the description uh, if you're watching or listening to this below. Is, is that the correct place to go? Is there anything else that they might be looking to benefit from here, Nikki? Look, I've got podcasts, I've got books. You can go to Amazon uh, and you can put my name in there and you can find all of that. You can Google me. I'm easy to find. But if you're someone right now who's been intrigued by what we've talked about, and maybe you're in a season in your life where you sure could use someone to believe in you, then go on that link, book that appointment, and let's have a, an honest-to-goodness, human-to-human, heart-driven conversation. That's what I'm offering you. I think that's the best thing I can offer you is that. So, so good. Thank you so much, Nikki, for sharing your wisdom, your guidance, your advice, and uh, your life actually here with us on this particular episode. Really, really powerful. And um, yeah, I'm sure I'll speak on behalf of everyone. It's you know so, so, so good and so strong to be hearing such great stories. So thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I wish you as well every success going forward because yes, you're doing this right. And it's just so great to hear somebody who is at the opposite end of the spectrum to those charlatan marketers that we were talking about at the start. So well done you. That's just brilliant. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for having me on the show. It's really a pleasure to be here. You're a great host. Thank you.